my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is going to be a delightful trip to the forums of skinpick.com. Now, skinpick.com is a website whose motto is stop picking, start living. And it is a forum for people who have issues with leaving their skin alone, whether it is uh, due to itches or some sort of self-grooming or a delusion of some variety involving invisible things under the skin. It is a website where people get together and is another example of why the internet is so great in that these people can find each other. So skinpick.com, the forum's up. It also is apparently some sort of website where you can uh, get diagnosed and maybe pay for something. Uh, before we start the podcast, as always, I'd like to thank everyone who's been so generous with the patron page. It's just very humbling to know that you guys appreciate what I'm doing, and uh, are, I appreciate also your patience with me getting this episode out a little later than normal because I had a death in the family, and it took me away, and it was sort of like occupying the mind as that sort of thing does. But as now you are listening, I'm back in the saddle. So rambling thank you to everyone who's donating on the patron page i super duper appreciate it and be sure to remember to please write a review of the podcast at itunes or wherever you listen to these podcasts on even if you don't listen to it on itunes you can still just like you know open itunes go there write a review then delete it if you like i don't mind the itunes i mean not the review i think we're on the same page anyway um <laughs> It really means a lot to me to, to see that people care enough to write or are at least prodded to go and write something by my incessant nagging. Okay, well, uh, that's it for podcast news. And I just want to say thanks to everyone for listening. So now let's go into the forums of skinpick.com. Now, the first thing we'll read was posted by a user by the name of Orb. And these forums don't follow the standard uh, tree path of forums. They're just sort of random blog posts on some sort of node, a Joomla backend, I assume, some sort of weirdness. Anyhow, it was posted by a user orb in a thread they entitled, Those Little White Plugs and the Painful Nodules That Multiply. And it goes like this. Location, Central California, age 45, health in general, good diagnosed illness, four years plus fibro, hypersomania slash chronic fatigue, brackets, sleep mean 1.4, chemical sensitivity, noise sensitivity, allergy to molds, GERD, ticardia, double jointed throughout, brackets, means I have shallow joint sockets, lactose intolerance, IBS, skin health, youth, tight pores, little to no blemishes, fair complexion, no scarring, average sun exposure, late teens, early 20s, mild facial acne, severe back acne, late 20s through early 30s, oily hair that required daily washing, oily scalp, oily complexion, poor slightly visible, light to moderate acne on face with moderate back acne constantly, sought medical intervention from dermatologists at age 30 and was prescribed Accutane, outcome excellent, fast forward 10 years to current, strange facial smell, approximately six opened lesions all on right side of face, scalp sores and athletics foot, brackets sever, most of my nails have fallen off. This began three years ago with an under-the-skin eruption of what I thought was a pimple. After about, four to f <laughs> After about four to six months of attempting to extract all of the congestion, I see improvement. New nodules began to appear. I developed one in my RT, cheek, three on my chin, one on my frontal jawline, 
two on my forehead, and two on my nose. These were not painful, but would become extremely festered to what appeared to be a whitehead. Not able to resist the temptation to squeeze, I would attempt to pop these things. Never once did any of these things pop. In fact, they only multiplied and got larger. About October 2013, I started noticing a buildup on my scalp. When I scrubbed my hair with shampoo, it would hurt in a few spots. The spots felt like gaping holes and they would ooze. Hmm. These were extremely painful and interrupted my daily living. While attending to my nightly routines of washing my face, I discovered a very large lump on the lower right side of my skull. It was projecting up from my scalp and was about the size of my thumb. The next morning, I called my FD and made an apt to have her exam. She looked at my scalp and concluded that it was a fungus, and the knot on my scalp was a swollen lymph. Nothing was prescribed, and I was told to go purchase Selsin Blue, and that should cure me right up. After one week of my use, my condition had only gotten worse. I went to the pharmacy to see if there were any other products I could buy, since it seemed that the blue stuff wasn't. I was at a loss with all the products, so I made my way to the pharmacist on duty and explained my condition to him. He was very helpful in assisting me to better product, but he also advised me to contact my doctor for a script as the condition I was diagnosed with could not be cured with OTC shampoos. He explained to me that I needed needed a prescribed shampoo along with an oral antifungus. I called the office and left this info with my nurse. I must say that I was more than surprised when the return call from my doc was to tell me to continue with the shampoo for another 10 days and nothing else was suggested. But this wasn't working and my condition was getting worse. Frustrated by this and in great pain from these open sores, I went to our local urgent care. There I was seen by a doc who examined my scalp and said that it was a staph infection. She prescribed a round of antibiotics and I was on my way. The scalp sores did heal, but the growths on my face excelled. One of those that is on my chin took on a different look. I started looking like a wart. <laughs> I left it alone until the moment I thought... I seen a white-looking sort of wormish thing poking out of it. It was one of those things that many here have described. It was a plug, and there was many more to follow. I worked that thing down over many weeks until I get every one of those things out, but it wasn't until I began to use some athlete's foot cream on it that I noticed started to die off. It's been about three months, and just last week, that wart thing is coming back. I also get scalp sores monthly, and as of last week, I now have a growth under my right eyebrow that bubbles and oozes with crud. I just want this all to go away. Once and for all, I will be seeing a derm this Thursday, but I do wish I could find a magic natural remedy to cure whatever this is that has plagued me. And Spotty Face One writes, Hi, Orb. I am so sorry to hear that you had to deal with this. I truly feel your frustration. I have been trying to figure this out for a while. I will say that I am glad that your doctor at least acknowledged the cause of your problems as a fungus. I have everything that you have just described, minus the athlete's foot, and every doctor I've been to tries to prescribe antibiotics. I listen and follow to their advice at first because, well, they are doctors and they are the experts. Hmm. Big mistake. All the antibiotics I was put on made my condition so much worse. Then I tried to explain this. I was talking to deaf ears. I did the same thing and started antifungal cream, which helped, but the fungus is so deep that I need an oral antifungal. Once again, I tried asking a doctor for it. My request was denied, as I expected. So, what's a girl to do? I took matters into my own hands. I did my own research and tried to figure out the proper medication, doses, and duration that I would need. Researched reputable pharmacies and order the medicine myself. I am completely aware of the potential dangers of this. However, having open and non-healing sores on my face comes with its own dangers. I tried getting medical treatment from the professional and I was ignored. So I felt that I was
was left with no other option. I am getting better, but I have a ways to go. I also take herbal supplements that are supposed to be good for general health as well. Apple cider vinegar, garlic, MSM, vitamins, probiotics. Also, the Earth Clinic website has tons of information and alternative remedies. One other note, since I am a pet owner, I have also considered the possibility of an overpopulation of Demodex, which feed on yeast brackets a fungus, then the Demodex spread the fungus. Kind of a vicious cycle. I don't know if that is part of my problem, but it seems likely. Antifungal medications won't kill Demodex, but there are plenty of topical medicines and herbal supplements that will. You might want to try attacking both problems simultaneously to speed your recovery. I hope that I have been a help to you. Please keep me posted. Sometimes it's just nice and helpful to talk to someone who understands. Good luck! And P. The Smith adds, These plugs are parasites. Do not let anyone convince you otherwise, and believe me, they'll try. Brackets, ill-informed dermatologists included. The parasites are called demodex mites. That plug is the adult stage of the mite, usually harmless. Usually, humans are only inhabited by demodex foculorum and demodex brevis. I suspect you're describing the demodex ingi, the quote-unquote large body demodex. You'll want to get rid of these things ASAP and with extreme prejudice. I wound up with an all-out infestation because it took me seven years, five useless dermatologists, and two ill-equipped primary care physicians to figure it out. One dermatologist accused me of making the sores myself and suggested I take an antidepressant. But don't get me started on that. I even had myself evaluated IgG because my system was so irritated by them. Anyway, Back to the mites. The adults move around on your skin, brackets usually at night because they don't like light, and give you an itchy crawly sensation. After they mate, the pregnant female emerges to lay eggs. When the pregnant female comes out, it kind of looks like a regular pimple, but no pus comes out. Ugh. But no pus comes out. <laughs> but no pus comes out it. Only fluid and it gets red and irritated if you mess with it. The eggs she lays around the area where she emerged that look kind of like quote-unquote spindles. They're down inside your skin, but have little white hair sticking out of your pores. Those hairs get a little thicker and will sometimes fall out as the egg evolves into an adult male. Don't bother pulling them out. The hairs will simply detach and the mite will stay in your pore. The adult mites are nothing nice. They have what I call venom, brackets for lack of a better word, that causes a severe immune response. If you mess with them, they create this clear fluid that will make a hole in your skin. If you persist, they will make you bleed profusely. I think that stuff is an anticoagulant too. After you lose the battle, brackets, and you will, your skin will feel like it's on fire. Depending on how much you mess with them, you'll either have a sore spot that won't heal or a plasticky quasi-scab-looking thing on top of the sore that won't heal. If you lift up the plasticky scab, you can see the adult mites attached to the underside of it. I say that to say this, quote, unquote, don't bother messing with them. You will not get them out without putting a deep hole in your skin. They just dig down deeper. If you try to pull them out with tweezers, the immune response will make a real mess of your face. You cannot kill the adult demodex with creams because they move down into the pores beyond the reach of topical miticides. You cannot kill adult demodex Demodex with ingested miticides because they have a hard outer shell that protects them from absorbing the chemicals. If you pinch out one of those white plugs really hard with some tweezers, you can hear it crunch. Brackets, I even tried applying a tiny bit of Raid. Didn't work. 
I got rid of the MFers with three things. One, Ivermetsin. Two, Permithrin SFR. And three, Sulfur Paste. Brackets, all of which I found at the local feed store for animals. First, use the Ivermetsin to kill the mid-stage mites. I use the equine version. It's a paste with 1.87% Ivermetsin. Brackets, do this at your own risk. Ivermedicine doses are determined by weight. I simply use the appropriate amount of paste for my weight. I had no problems at all, but be careful. Within six to eight hours of your first dose of Ivermedicine, you'll see the mites pushing out of your pores in droves because it only kills the mid-stage mites. Brackets, not eggs or adults, you'll need to take Ivermedicine once a week for four to six weeks. When you take the Ivermedicine, Change your bed sheets every night for at least three nights. Also, buy a few extra pillowcases so you can have a newly washed pillowcase every night for at least four weeks. I strongly suggest this measure because these mites wreak havoc on my scalp. My hair has not grown for more than three years. You may want to use Selsun Blue Shampoo for four to six weeks, just in case. Second, use Permethrin SFR, which is 38.6% Permethrin, to kill the eggs. Dilute it in a spray bottle and spray everything in your house, including mattresses, couches, carpets, etc., everything. Then, vacuum really good and spray everything again. Buy new pillows, too. Wash all clothing and linens in hot water. Put them in the dryer on high heat. I even lightly sprayed the Permethrin solution on the dried laundry and the replaced bedsheets. Permethrin is not really toxic to humans and it's odorless once it dries brackets please read the packaging thoroughly while i don't recommend this i poured three quarters of a cup of the permethrin sfr in my bath water after soaking in it for a short time there were so many eggs brackets with the white hair that my bath water had a film on it i only did this because i had a full-on infestation Third, apply the sulfur paste all over your body. It's a little tricky to apply, so I suggest wearing gloves. Also, it's really thick and has a strong smell. I use... <laughs> I used Pierce's all-purpose new stock. I had to mix the paste with baby oil to get it to spread. You're supposed to wear it kind of like calamine lotion for three days straight, then reapply it on top of the first application and wear it for another three days. The objective is to keep the adult mites from mating and laying new eggs. I realize this is a lot, but believe me, you do not want to be infested with these things. This has been a seven-year nightmare for me. Finally coming to an end. Good luck. And Megan's mom writes, I'm 76 on the Oregon coast and had severe acne as a teenager with residual scarring. I've been fighting with little white spots I call cores for seven years. Finally, after one GP and four dermatologists who are not listening slash reading brackets, I wrote a three-page chronology of my facial problem and my conclusion that it was folliculitis. One dermatologist finally did a punch biopsy and confirmed that it was folliculitis. Mine is based on a staph oris infection brackets contracted from a hospital surgical staple, but they can be based on fungal infections as well. I'm still fighting as the doc won't extract the cores, and as you know, the wounds won't heal until they are removed. He firmly believes if you leave them alone, they will heal while taking antibiotics. I took antibiotics for 18 weeks. Nothing healed spontaneously, and when a new round of bumps appeared, I stopped taking the antibiotics as it was obvious they were not working. If I have to go out among strangers and feel self-conscious, I put Safeway Hydrocolloid bandages on the open wounds, makeup, and I'm good to go. 
At 76, I don't feel self-conscious often, but it's nice to have a go-to cover-up. I am going to see an infectious diseases doctor next week to see what the chances are of getting rid of the staph. My instinct tells me staph just goes dormant and reappears when your immune system becomes challenged. I'm hoping to get him to, quote-unquote, exoriate the existing plugs that I haven't been able to remove. With moist heat packs at night and simple Vaseline, I've been able to reduce the inflammation and extract the cores, leaving a clean dermis field, which the epidermis brackets skin layer contracts over. Makes a smaller wound and with Vaseline and a Band-Aid heals nicely. When I can, the wound heals. If it heals over an unremoved core, the core pops up again down the road. I find zinc-based shampoos work for me, alternating with a black tar shampoo for what I was told many years ago was seborrhea on my scalp. This doc says it's also folliculitis. I think it is both, as my mom had the scalp seborrhea but ignored it. Don't know how she did it. It was a white, creamy layer over her entire scalp. Mine would be... <laughs> fuck. Mine would be sore with bloody patches until I got control of it with Zincon shampoo at the time many years ago. It had to be hormone generated as I broke out in a bloody scalp sore five months after each of my children were born when my body was returning to normal. Good luck to those of you with the tiny white spots. Quote unquote, insist on a punch biopsy if the folliculitis isn't recognized. The test will prove it one way or the other. Keep up the good fight. And we'll leave that thread for a new thread started by Tatty Tiger, entitled Hair Root Eating Disorder. And it goes like this. I need help before I go bold. Help me out. I'm 15 and have been pulling out my hair and eating the root for three years now. I stop and then continue. I am a girl, so I don't want to end up bold. Does anyone else do this? If you ever did and you stopped, feel free to reply and give me some advice on what to do. Thanks. Tati Tiger. Happy Kitty Emoticon. And I hate picking ads. I am 27 and did this when I was about your age. It started with picking split ends in school and then eventually I was pulling the hair out. First I would find the hairs that felt coarse and enjoy the feeling of it coming out. Then I noticed the root and did the same with this... Then I noticed the root and did the same as you. I did get a bald patch, frowny face emoticon. I had to wear a headband and was so embarrassed. I knew it was so wrong and eventually I just stopped. However, I found as I stopped one picking habit, I started a new one. I think there is just so much more to it than just a bad habit. I feel my picking must be down to anxiety. And if I'm really honest, some family issues I have. I've only seen this forum slash website for the first time today. And I am amazed at how many people have the same crazy habits I do. But it's also made me realize that I should speak to my doctor about it as it really isn't normal. I think a bald patch is a big scare. I hope you don't get to this point like I did. I think telling your family is a good idea. If they realize what you're doing, they will challenge you when you do it. Then you will get fed up of them telling you to stop. Good luck. And Tatty Tiger replies, Tatty, thanks. It kind of gave me a bit of relief that I'm not the only one who does this. I was looking in the mirror and yes, I am developing a bold spot. I am scared to tell my parents. I have been in therapy before because of family issues as well, but it doesn't seem to help. I pick my belly button as well and it worries me. Is there anything you can advise me to do to calm my habits? If so, feel free to write back. Smiley face emoticon. Thanks, Tati. 
and tricky subject rights. Hey, I just want to say that you shouldn't be afraid to tell your parents. I know that it's scary to tell them, but if you have a disorder, they will have to learn to understand that. I'm 16 and I've had trick since I was in the third grade. Well, that's when I noticed it. When I was in the fourth grade, I had to wear bandanas to school because I had bald spots and I was really embarrassed by it. But I promise you that you're not alone. Brackets, I sometimes eat the quote-unquote roots, too. It's a really hard habit to break, and I have yet to break it still. Frowny emoticon. But I do have some methods to help ease the irritation your scalp feels, which creates the urge to pull. It doesn't stop it completely, but they help a lot. Wear a toque or bandana to bed. Also, aloe vera oil slash gel or calamine lotion also work. If you're considering putting calamine lotion in your hair, make sure you aren't going somewhere in public. Tongue sticking out emoticon. It's more for at night or lazy stay-at-home days. Tongue sticking out emoticon. Hope I helped you a bit. Also, there is a YouTuber on YouTube called Becky O. She suffers through trick too. I don't think she eats the roots of her hair, but she pulls it out. And she talks about her trichotillomania, and she's really good at showing you that you're not alone. Grinning emoticon. And Ellen replies, Hair pulling is called trictotillomania. Eating the hair is called trictophagia. Like you, I didn't eat the hair, just the white sheath around the root. I believe the white sheath is the product of a sebaceous gland. It is skin oil mixed with dead skin cells. I believe... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> ah, okay. I believe... Anyway, I like the texture of it in my mouth. If you eat the whole hair, that can be really dangerous because your stomach can't digest hair. So you can get hairballs like a cat. I, I always hated the product of my sebaceous glands because it made my skin oily and gave me zits. Recently, though, I have learned that stuff is really good for your face. It not only keeps you from getting wrinkles, brackets, which you're probably not worried about yet, it is also a natural protector and kills bacteria. Teenage zits come from hormones. There isn't a whole lot you can do about that except get put on birth control. Brackets, which I haven't yet tried. I used to have a whole lot of little to medium-sized ball spots all over my head. It made it really difficult to find a place to part my hair where the bald spots weren't obvious. Or where the bald spots weren't obvious. I even resorted to coloring them in with eyebrow pencil smudging and then hairspraying the hair so it was basically glued onto my head. Not exactly flattering. It was the last stop before Wigville. Now I'm on Prozac 60MG. It isn't a miracle drug, but it indirectly helps. I was depressed too, and the Prozac helped me be in a better mood, which it turned got me out of the house and gave me less time to pick slash pull hair. I also had less self-hatred because once I was in a better mood, I was able to make a few friends. Now I still pull every now and then, but it is a lot less, and I'm not self-conscious about my hair anymore. I can flip it over without ever wondering what's showing. I am a quote-unquote focused puller, which means I only pull my hair in front of the mirror in a really intense, determined state. When it comes to picking my skin, I like to be in front of the mirror when popping zits so I get to see the quote-unquote payoff, but I pick scabs absent-mindedly while watching TV, reading, etc. Some people pull their hair this way, just on the sofa or on the bed when they are bored. And Simone219 writes, OMG, I had no idea this was a real disorder. I thought I was the only person doing this. I've been pulling since I was in fourth grade. Now I'm 21. IDK what triggered me to start. My mom took me to the doctor BC. She noticed that I had patches in my hair. I didn't tell my mom or the doctor I was really going bald because I was pulling out my hair and eating the roots. 
I told my mom I had a fungus and it was causing my hair to come out in patches. SMH. I am so ashamed of this. My mom ended up cutting all my hair off in the fifth grade and I had to wear a wig to school. Yes, a wig. It was so embarrassing. I got picked on all the time. I wasn't quote unquote scared of any of the kids or anything. I actually wanted to kick all their asses, but I was afraid that my wig would come off. Now I just wear extensions, which I am okay with, but I really want to stop pulling. My boyfriend even asks me, why don't you ever let me see your real hair? I've stopped pulling before, but when my hair grows back, I start pulling again. It's pretty sad. My hair is horrible. It's uneven and I have bald spots all throughout my head. I'm just going to shave it all off and start over and just hope I don't get the urge to pull again. And we'll go from that thread to a new thread in the skinpick.com forums in a thread started by B entitled feet picking. And it goes like this. Hi, I'm a 48 year old whoa man from the UK. I've been picking obsessively at the soles of my feet for about 16 years now. In my younger days, I had other obsessive habits. A year or so of OCD ritualistic behavior with which involved categorizing things with numbers and obsessive blackhead removal followed by a period of constant search for split ends. The foot picking began after a period of self-loathing in my early 30s and I've been unable to stop. The good thing that it is largely invisible to the outside world and I managed to control it in the company of others apart from close family. To this extent, it hasn't ruined my life, job, or anything, but is nonetheless causing me great angst. Until I came on this site this evening, I did not know this condition had a name and identity. CSP, which is strangely comforting. I hope just being on the site will help me overcome the problem. I have to say I'm hugely grateful to all of you for posting your experiences here because it helps a newcomer like myself to understand that we are not alone. I have suffered terrible guilt and self-disgust at my habit. This is the problem shifted to my feet because I loathe them anyway. They are big and wide and ugly with bunions. I've never been able to wear dainty, strappy sandals and the foot picking is making things worse. In the summer, the problem is exacerbated because my feet are in flip-flops or sandals rather than safely zipped up in boots with socks all day. In winter evenings, when in my slippers and no one's around, are far worse. Sometimes I pick my feet so much, brackets, and I use a chiropody blade too. They bleed and I have to clean blood off my shoes and wear plasters. I even limp for a few hours if I go too mad. I can't help thinking that the typical OCD perfectionism is at play here. I feel that I'm striving to achieve a perfect smoothness with my feet and am not satisfied with any kind of roughness. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, I know deep down the roughness is mostly caused by me and I'm making it worse. Sometimes I manage to avoid foot picking for a while. When I'm out all day and in the evenings in the company of others, it usually occurs in situations where I'm barefooted and resting for long periods, e.g. watching TV, using my laptop, reading the paper. These are all situations where I cannot resist picking my darned feet and eating the skin. My husband sometimes tries to stop me, but it just adds to the tension I'm feeling. I'd be particularly interested in hearing any comments from compulsive foot pickers out there. Is there a method for dealing with it other than cutting my feet off or tying my hands behind my back? And Sarah Bella 81 writes, I can't really give you any real solutions, but I wanted to let you know that that is the main place that I pick as well. The main reason I do it is that no one apart from people really close to me ever see them. It's only the bottoms of my feet, all along the bottom, never on the top. The tops of my feet that the world see are perfectly polished and pedicured. Most people would be shocked 
shocked to see the bottoms of my feet. Anyway, I wanted to let you know that you are not alone, which to me is an incredible thing. It has gotten worse for me in the last year or so as my life has become very hectic. I work full time, I am in graduate school, and I am a perfectionist, to say the very least. It is something that hurts me but it somehow makes me feel better at the time when I am picking. My husband absolutely hates it because he knows it hurts me physically, and I know he worries about the psychological part, but he does not judge me, which is amazing. I am on antidepressants, but I think I should switch maybe to something different. I am thinking about seeing counseling about it. It's so embarrassing. I hope this post finds you doing well. And Mad Mooks writes, Wow. I am 16 and have been picking and chewing on the skin from the bottom of my foot since I was 7 or 8. I never in a million years thought anyone else did it. I thought it was just some bizarre habit that was gross. No one else knows I do it. I remember my mom telling me to stop a long time ago when I was little, before I got better at hiding it. No one has seen me do it in years. I do it mostly when I am bored and never, though it had to do with psychological reasons. I have had a severe anxiety disorder since I was 5 or 6 and I've had some crappy stuff happen, but I never thought it was related. There must be a relationship between this and compulsive behavior because I, too, have a very obsessive personality. I still can't get over the fact that other people do this. I always thought I was just crazy and gross. And Angie Greeneyes adds, foot picking. I didn't realize anyone else did this. And I certainly didn't realize it was part of self-injury. I pick my feet. I have been doing it for a long time now. When I sat here reading, I started thinking when it was I first started. I started after my rape in 1995. I had terrible pressure and anxiety. I felt lost and alone. And I would pick at my toes and at my heels for an hour or more while I sat on the couch. I could pick the skin off until the pain is throbbing and my heels and toes are bleeding. I don't eat the skin on my feet. I, I just pick forever like I can't stop until there's enough pain to make me feel some sort of sick relief from something inside me. It makes me feel calm and okay again. The whole time I am doing it, I tell myself to stop. I'm going to hurt my feet and not be able to walk without a lot of pain, but I keep doing it. No one knows I do it. It's invisible to the average person. You can't see it unless I'm barefoot and you see the bottom of my feet. I am a juvenile diabetic. I'm 32 years old and have been diabetic for 29 years. The one thing I know is that open sores and cuts on a diabetic foot can take forever to heal, and mine are no exception. I also notice they affect my blood sugars. I guess that's why I have concerns. I didn't know I was self-injuring. Is there a cure, or is this something I have to deal with forever? Because I also pick my ugh, because I also pick on my scalp. No one knows that either except my family. I went to dermatologist because I thought I had a scalp disorder, and when they couldn't figure out what was causing it, I gave up. Until now. I never thought it might just be that I am causing them myself. God help me. Are there support groups or medications or techniques you can use? And Muffy adds, wow, am I glad I found this spot. I am 63 and have done this off and on all of my life. I was in a home with a verbally and emotionally abusive mother. I think I started picking my feet right around age 13. I also bit my nails while living with her. Once I got to college, most of the nail biting stopped and was totally gone by age 20. I still had the tendency to pick at my feet. It seems to run in cycles. I think of it as coming on during periods of stress and anxiety. The easiest way for me to get this under control is to enjoy winter, wear socks and get pedicure on a regular basis. I have always liked my feet. They are slim, healthy looking, and I love to wear sandals and flip-flops. I once again am on the path to recovery and am so happy about it. Great helper. I see people mentioning all sorts of skin removal tools, such as pumice stones, quote-unquote pods, etc. I have a small black and decker sander called, quote-unquote, the mouse. 
It is in my bathroom specifically for my feet. A mildly abrasive sandpaper, brackets, it is purple, attached to it is perfect for keeping the skin smooth and your feet attractive and quick. Try it. The paper can be the same grit as nail files, and if it seems to be too mild, go up one level to a rougher grit. I do not go crazy with it. Be sensible, and you may find some relief. Good luck, everyone. And Robot Gal adds, I am 23 and have always been obsessed with picking zits, scabs, blisters, etc. In the last year or two, it's focused on my feet. Any loose skins and I'm pulling on it until it bleeds. Sometimes my feet hurts for several days and I worry I will get a serious infection someday from doing it. I've been trying to keep them healthy with lotion and other things, so I'm not tempted by loose skin, but it's difficult because I often start picking without realizing it. I get satisfaction by it when I'm able to pick the skin off. Then shame because I've hurt myself. For about six months now, I've been being treated for anxiety and depression, and I know those conditions have contributed to my bad habit, but I'm getting sick of it. I looked up methods to treat it tonight and found this site, and hopefully I'll get some hints to stop doing it. It's hurting my husband because he hates to see me in pain, and it's not healthy. And Crazy Cat Lady adds, I do this as well, and it is extremely embarrassing. I find that I pick much less if the skin is smooth. I've discovered a way to fix the rough patches. Diaper rash ointment. I know it sounds weird, but it works. Buy the A&D ointment, brackets, not the white cream slash lotion. It is yellow and waxy. Rub a lot of it onto your entire foot and put a sock on. I do it at night so that the skin has a lot of time to absorb the ointment. But I suppose you could do it during the day. I hope this helps. And I love toughy ads. I am eight years old and pick my feet, and it is good to know that I am not the only one. I live in Minnesota with my mom and three cats and one hamster. I pick my feet every two days after my bath. I stop when my fingers or skin hurt. I cannot remember how long I have been doing it. And my feet bleed ads. I remember picking my feet the summer after daddy passed away. I don't know if I did it before that. I pick so long and hard that it makes my feet bleed. I have even peeled the skin off my toes, making them bleed and be sore for days. I have never eaten the picked off skin. I thought it was just me doing this. Glad to know I am not. Smiley face emoticon. And dog mum adds... Hi everyone, I am 44 and just started this bizarre habit six months or so ago. I pick my feet every time until I bleed. Have used an entire box I purchased from Costco of bandages. I am limping around today because of it. My in-laws just left. Brackets, thank God. Perhaps because of stressors in my environment and sometimes I feel I am not good enough and or deserving of the love of those around me. It feels good to pick and it hurts to bleed. However, I just can't stop. It must be what it's like to be addicted to something like drugs or alcohol. I feel so much better after I patch myself up with the bandages. It feels amazing. The bandages give me comfort after I hurt myself in this way. Yes, I must be a little demented. I would never hurt anyone or any creature, just myself. Yikes, I better stop this or it'll be years before I realize it. I didn't realize others had this awful habit. My heart goes out to all of you. I hope I can stop. I hope each of you can too. Thanks for your comments. And we'll go from that thread to a new thread by NARS entitled, What's Under Your Scab? And it goes like this. I suffer from sever eczema. It goes away from time to time, but I've noticed that when I have a really bad breakout last year, there are certain scabs that just don't seem to heal. After a while, I've noticed that picking at them started to become a bad habit, and then it became a stress reliever. Whenever I get mad, I pick the hell out of my scabs. There are two particular favorites that I have. They're behind my legs and about five inches away from each other, and they have never healed for the past year and a half. The scab I have on the very bottom of my leg, above my ankle, was actually healing really good until I picked it one day, and I noticed that under the scab I picked had little spikes on them. 
I then became obsessed with seeing the spikes, so I don't even let the scab heal. Two days is the most I go without picking at it. A few weeks later, I noticed that the spikes became thicker. It pleases me to know that I'm taking quote-unquote foreign things out of my body like that. But a few weeks ago, I've started to notice that there are different things coming out of the scab. I picked my scab about a month ago and noticed something in my wound. It was a little white dot and kind of looked like a whitehead. I squeezed my wound and it hurt like hell, but I found so much pleasure in seeing what I got out of it. It looked like a little whitehead. It was hard and shaped like a little ball. Ever since then, I've noticed that particular scab is starting to have those white balls coming out of it or with the scab connected to it when I pick it. And I look at my wound. It now has little holes when I pick it. Does anyone know what these balls are? And why do my scabs have spikes on them? Or they at least resemble spikes. This is the main reason I love to pick my scabs. I don't do it for the pain of it. I just like seeing what's beneath it and what's on my scab. And Stephanie adds... I can't believe I found this. This is the exact same thing I do and why I do it. The little white spikes under the scab and the little white balls under the scar slash scab. What are those? Those two things are the only reason I pick. I've tried stopping, but it doesn't work. I am totally fascinated by them. I wish someone would tell us what it is we are picking. And Bass replies, Essentially, those are a combination of fat deposits and plasma that form at scabs to help heal. I'm not an expert, though. Try Wiki. And Nars replies, That's insane. I've been looking online for pictures or info of this, but I can't find shit. I'm glad someone else in the world knows how I feel. It hurts like hell peeling it, but I love what I get out of it. And Jennifer adds, Was diagnosed as ringworm recently. I believe it could be advanced fungi. New parasite. Synthetic fibers from food microwave. What? And Scabs R Us writes, I have the exact same thing. At first, I thought those white balls or spikes under the scab were zits, and I tried to pop them. Of course, it didn't work because they are not zits. I pick at them until they become like a layer of skin, and I'm able to peel it off. Then another scab forms, and I do it all over again. Not to be alarmist, but when Googling quote-unquote Morgulans, I came across these two videos. It might be sensational, but then again, maybe there's a truth to it. And it has two links to videos at Carnicom.com, and this is the website of the Carnicom Institute, which claims to be a nonprofit organization working solely for the benefit of humanity. Our goal is to provide the public with beneficial and responsible information through scientific, educational, environmental, and health research for the public welfare. The Institute is currently focused on the important issues of geoengineering and bioengineering. And it appears to be a website dedicated to some discussion of vapor trails and other environmental factors. And Dolores Del Macchio writes... I am split between thinking it could be morgulans or ringworm. I've noticed that trenitonin gets rid of them, and it seems to fit the treatment protocol for morgulans. But they reappear somewhere else, so I figured that getting an antifungal cream might be helpful. All the antibacterial creams, oxygen therapies, etc. from my dermatologist haven't had any effect. So happy I found this thread. I had been calling these itchy scratchers. If I don't remove those awful white things, it will never heal. The Trentinon forms a flaky scab over them, and they fall right out with the dead skin. But as a picker, it is hard to be patient, and then I end up gouging my skin. And KatieCat920 writes, I believe everything that you're picking is part of the body's healing system, and you're only stunting your healing. I've never really heard white spikes under scabs or whiteheads under scabs, but I can only imagine it's part of the body's healing system. 
Although if you're so concerned, why not go see a dermatologist? They would be able to tell you. And Jennifer adds, we pick them because we know they are foreign and not supposed to be there. And our Vince writes, we belive, quote, they're foreign. My scabs look like a Borea pad. Not black, but white. Come to find most of what I am pulling out is in fact the needs to be there. Three exclamation points. Skin just doesn't act like that. So we pick harder. And Guasima writes, Did you not read the OP or the comments afterwards? These do not go away unless you pick out the hard white ball or little white spikes. I've tried leaving them alone for up to several weeks and they never heal. And our Vince adds, You're correct that don't fully heal not till the core is gone. And Shannon Sherman adds, You have no idea what you're talking about. No one does unless they have experienced them. Read the posts. And Overhair writes, Holy crap, I get that under my chin. I think the spikes have to do with seborrheic demaritis. It's like psoriasis. When you pick the scab, it bleeds after the white bally thing comes out, but then heals within days. And Shannon Sherman adds, The chin was bad for a while. The bleeding is always terrible, but to get the bally thing out, you have to push and squeeze, then I almost always get an infection. And Bray J adds, I believe those balls are called calcium deposits. I get them and they look like a whitehead, but I cannot pop it. It stays until you pop it out with a pin. That is very bad though, and will destroy you. You can usually get them removed at facial places. Don't know what causes them. And underscore Mel writes, OMG, this is crazy. I know exactly what you are talking about. Those little balls are not there to heal. They are bad, evil. I actually popped out some tonight and they leave this little hole in your skin. Then it heals up, but then fills up with pus and sometimes comes back again in the same spot. But it's like when you pull the scab off, you see like five little white things under the surface and it's like your skin can't heal until you get them out. Does that sound crazy? Is it actually doing worse? And Christy8201984 writes, I know what you mean. They are evil and I never had this problem until my late 20s. They itch and flare up and it's like I have to get them out. The white ball or spiky things cause I know they're under there and they just never go away or at least for a little while till the next flare up can't stand it. And Jennifer adds, and why is it five in a circle, one in middle? Maybe a fungus or scaby egg? <laughs> Maybe a fungus or scaby eggs? I wish I knew. I hate them and can't get to the bottom of it. I find when I poop regularly, the G-O away. Parasitical warfare. And LNYC2012 writes, I am replying to your post because yours is the most recent. I have suffered from this quote-unquote pimple-like white roots won't heal for six years. I have seen doctors, dermatologists, urgent care clinics. Anyway, I read on another message board, this could be molluscum contagiosum. At first, when I read up on it, it looked like pictures I thought, no way, these quote-unquote pimples do not look anything like MC. Please, research it further like I did. Remember, we are pickers. We notice these things before they progress into actual skin tags. Molluscum contagiosum is a virus, not a quote-unquote wart or a skin tag per se. It's a virus in your body. Those roots we are picking are skin tags forming. We are just picking them off before they form. I searched my body today and found three quote-unquote real skin tags as shown on the molluscum sites. They were all on my back, so obviously I didn't see them to pick them. LOL. As I read, I found that these things last a few months. The only way to get rid of them is to remove the quote-unquote root 
brackets, once you do, they bleed, etc. They describe what we all have 100%. Please, all of you who suffer from this, check your bodies. Hopefully, you will find at least one of these skin tags. If you do, then you will have proof you need to go back to the dermatologist and have them freeze it off. Apparently, from what I read, once you remove every skin tag from your body, you get rid of the virus forever. Hope this helps! Six exclamation points. And P. The Smith writes, Those things are parasites. You need Livermetsin, brackets, Stromectrol, Doxycycline Mono 100, brackets, two times daily, and Sodium Sulfetamide, 10% wash. I had those things for seven years. Get rid of them fast. They spread like crazy. It took me seven doctors to go find someone that knew what it was. Your dermatologist needs to do a 3mm punch biopsy. They won't find anything from scraping. And not alone, not crazy writes. Yes, yes, yes. Nasty little buggers. If you looked under a microscope, you would think you were looking at aliens. I had them so bad that one time I stepped out the shower, looked down on my chest, and would look like a hundred... Mmm. <laughs> oh, man. Looked down on my chest and what looked like hundreds of tiny little white, quote-unquote, threads about a quarter inch long sticking out of my skin, quote-unquote, dancing. I know this sounds crazy, but it was true. I was freaking out. I pulled a few and swear they would move on your fingertip. They have a bunch of stages, too. I would find a sudden scab, always in a triangular shape. If you try to pick this scab, which was really a layer on your skin, not a normal scab, only part would release. An edge always stayed on. Sometimes the white dot in the middle sometimes several white dots, sometimes the white hair-looking thing poking out around the scab, and one time after forcing myself to leave one on the side of my hand alone, I could not stand it any longer, picked slightly at it, and the scab came loose right away, and a worm or larva about one-quarter inch long and thicker popped out. I put it on the side of my sink, and the little bastard moved. I burned it. Another time I picked at one, pulled out something, set it on the sink, and it was a white with an almost bluish line going in the center, like a hundred tiny little legs or whatever on the side. It was tiny, but very distinct. I have scars on my arms from these monsters. We happened to loose our home, left it everything behind, stress was over, new environment, and I was taking better care of myself. Slowly they just went away. Occasionally I get one back, but very rare. A few years later, I showed pictures to my hubby, Doc, and he confirmed my fear. He said they were parasites. Get them from animals or even your own water supply. The little white dots in the middle are the adults feeding off of you. Pull them out and they are done. If you don't get them, then later you get several white dots. Even had the quote-unquote worm form a quote-unquote C under my skin under the scab. Very hard to get then. I do not care what any med pro says. Get it out. But always was the spot. I used alcohol and your tweezers. And a cordom writes, I have the same problem, but is on my balls. It started about 10 years ago. It started by plucking out my hair. Then I realized one out of 10 hairs will have a white ball in it. I must dig it all out. My nipples will do the same thing. I'm a guy. I don't get it, but it does. I'm to the point where I will find 5 to 10, pull them out. All I know is it's not an STD. I don't think it's any kind of cancer. By the time I get done, it's a bloody mess. Wow. I hate my life. What is this? And is there a cure? And this discussion goes on for five full pages of many, many posts. And finally, we'll leave this forum by reading this thread started by Rachel entitled mucus eating. And it goes like this. 
I have been a very mild picker as long as I can remember. I think it is hereditary for the most part. My mother is a very strong picker and I have grown up watching her pick everything. Anyway, I've never really found my picking to interfere with my normal life. I pick scabs, acne, cuticles, and my nose, but never to the point of scarring or keeping a wound from healing. I do eat everything I pick, though. I will eat the occasional bit of earwax or discharge from my nipples, brackets, normal waxy stuff, nothing abnormal. I'm new to the forums, but I'm wondering if anyone else is like me. The weirdest thing I do is I wear my underwear for a couple of days, build up a layer of normal vaginal discharge, and then pick that, oh, man. And then I pick that off my underwear and eat it after it dries. It tastes like boogers and is the same texture. I know it must not be sanitary and I have tried to stop, but if it's there, I'll eat it. I just wonder if the eating of everything is related to dietary issue. I do have a great deal of shame associated with this behavior and have never spoken of it to anyone. And Becca adds, I'll raise my hand to have done this before. If you were like me when I wrote my first post, tears probably poured out of your eyes because you finally felt some sort of relief because you were able to let it out, right? That is a scary but good feeling. Winking emoticon. I have found support. I haven't posted for a while because by some miracle I stopped doing all these activities for like a month or two, but they have all come back frowny face emoticon. I know we all want to stop. I wish I could post pictures here. My fingers are gnawed down to the quote-unquote quick, as my mother would say. Do you know when you started doing these things? Thanks for being brave and posting. And Kangamaru writes, I am definitely crying my eyes out right now. A few days ago, I heard about something on TV about people who eat scabs. Until then, I honestly didn't think too much about all this. Obviously, it's embarrassing. My boyfriend has been helping me with the biting skin from around my fingers, but he hasn't seen me pick my nose and eat it. I've been doing this since I can remember. I'm 20 now and female. I have a serious eczema on the palms of my hands for years and just started to get special treatments for it. But this has caused there to always be dead, dried, flaky skin on my hands and I'll compulsively pick it off and eat it. I've never reached out to anyone about this and I can't imagine not doing it, but I'm going to try. I bit my nails for years, but after three attempts managed to stop that. I've read some people saying that it may be related to traumatic events in childhood, but I honestly had a wonderful childhood. But I don't know why I do it. I really do enjoy the taste of mucus and blood. It is comforting to know that I'm not the only one out there. It feels so strange to say this. Thank you for this website and for everyone's support. And Sofa Mouse adds, Rachel, I am so delighted that you had the courage to come out and admit all this. I have had almost all the same issues, and I feel like the worst part of it is that I have the urge to eat whatever I get. It is interesting, though. I think that I have been most ashamed of picking and eating mucus. I just can't stop, and it's horrible. I hate having to have, quote-unquote, that discussion, where I tell the guy I'm dating that, yeah, well, I pick my nose and I eat it, too. Luckily, guys aren't as grossed out by it as I think girls might be, but who knows? I have a feeling more girls do it than guys, but yeah. I remember I wanted to quit picking and eating, so I made that my New Year's resolution for 1998. Ha! The interesting thing was, at first I realized, quote unquote, okay, I can't stop picking. There are some things that a tissue just won't help with, so I have to pick my nose, but I must not eat. And I actually stopped eating for a while, but the thing is, I did it in bed so much, and I just wiped the boogers slash snot on the side of the bookshelf next to me because I didn't have a tissue at hand, and it just made such a huge mess that I went back figuring, okay, well, whether or not I eat my mucus, I just have to do it in private. If I eat, there won't be any evidence left over, so it's okay. And I haven't tried to quit since. Anyway, I have the same stuff eating everything. Usually I regret putting my finger in my mouth when it's got earwax because it tastes so bad, but I still do it compulsively sometimes. 
but I'm the same with the panties. Do you ever eat your menstrual fluid? Once I did because I went to the bathroom and had gotten my period unexpectedly, so I brought the panties up to my mouth and sucked out some of the blood that had stained them, and my God. Just, I want to say, quote unquote, what a high. I think part of why I do it, brackets, as well with reg vaginal discharge, is because I just feel like it's so dirty and wrong. But yeah, I think boogers taste delicious. I love them when they're harder. I love to eat my scabs, brackets, then the blood that comes out. Whiteheads, blackheads from zits, pus, anything. So yeah, you're not alone. Smiley face emoticon. <laughs> Okay, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads the Internet for you. There's certainly more to read from. However, I think I hit my limit (laughs) on reading about picking and scabbing and whatnot. So what did you think? Certainly, these are some people with some serious OCD issues. I mean, who amongst us doesn't pick their nose? I know some people are capable of not doing so, but... I know a majority of people who do pick their nose or have some sort of, you know, mindless picking habit. I'm sure my wife could regale you with tales of times she told me to stop biting my fingernails and so on and so forth. I bite my fingernails when I read. I don't know why, but I do. So I'm in the same boat with these people. However, I'm not eating any underwear discharge or uh, other scabs and things. Yeah, pretty much everything in this website is, you should probably be in therapy for I wish all the people on this website all the luck in the world quitting their picking and consuming of picked items habits. Certainly I had no idea about the eating of the hair root. Seems to be like there's a lot of confusion about just the general body parts. You know, like these people were not paying attention in anatomy class or something. We're just learning about your skin and hair and follicles and the glands around your hairs. I don't know. They've explored it a different way, I suppose, with their mouths instead of their minds. Skin pickers, an unfortunate issue, but luckily for them, this website exists so they can get together and realize that they are not alone in the world of self-harm and consumption, I suppose. Okay, well, the final wrap-up of the episode as usual. Once again, I want to thank everyone for their patience uh, with the delay in this episode due to the uh, death in the family that I had to go through last month, and... Also, thanks everyone who's written reviews on iTunes. If you haven't written a review, take the three minutes out of your life to go give the podcast a star review and write a little blurb about what you like about it or what your favorite episode was or uh, whatever you like, as long as it is overwhelmingly positive. (laughs) And of course, thank you to everyone who donates on the Patreon page. I sincerely appreciate it. My $15 a month donator, I'm sure, is going to get tired of receiving horrible drawings about every episode, but um, I super appreciate it. Uh, yeah, anyway, thanks to everyone who's been donating on Patreon. Um, if you want to donate to the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash reads. There's also, if you don't want to subscribe to a monthly thing, you can always just donate at PayPal. If you like, donations and subscriptions to Patreon uh, are, of course, completely voluntary. Until everyone gets put in the FEMA camps, that is. Okay, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads the Internet for You. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for You, Skin Pick Edition. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.